0: In between so be informed hear about your world community every Friday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on 94.1 FM where we'll serve you the red pill with love
1: You are listening to ninety four point
0: one KPFA and eighty to nine point three KPFB in Berkeley, eighty-eight point one KFCF in Fresno, ninety seven point five K two four eight Br in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is three thirty, stay tuned for continued Nina Serrano and Jack Foley on cover to cover.
1: Welcome back, dear listeners. This is Nina Serrano with Jack Foley.
0: I'm certainly here, too. Hi, Nina.
1: Hi, Jack. I want to start with a few announcements. One is that a project I've been working on for the last seven years has finally, finally come to fruition. I've been working with Eva Martinez and Harold Tereson and the late francisco x arlarcón on a bilingual anthology of poetry many things got in the way people died people changed jobs people broke up relationships but poetry <laughs> life. marched on <life. laughs> but poetry marched on and finally uh, the book is about to be published and it's called poetry in flight Poesía en Vuelos, and it's in English, Spanish, and Spanglish, and represents the voices of the Mission District. There's going to be a book release party on March 19th, Sunday, at Acción Latina in the Mission. The book has 56 poets, 62 poems, and a forward by Juan Felipe Herrera, the Poet Laureate of the United States. I'm very proud of this book, the long struggle that it took to get there, losing comrades along the way. But finally, we're going to be ready to celebrate on March 19th at Acción Latina in San Francisco. Another poetry reading is coming up at the Oakland Public Library, where our dear friend Q.R. Hand, an extraordinary poet, a, a jazz poet, is going to be performing with Jeannie Powell, Javier Reyes, and Ayudele Nzinga. That's going to be at the Cesar Chavez Branch, Oakland Public Library, which is at 3301 East 12th Street. But it's easier to find it by just thinking as around the corner from the Fruitvale BART station.
0: Absolutely, Yeah.
1: And uh, it's a very nice venue. So that's on February 25th, a Saturday.
0: I have something of an announcement, too. Many people have been concerned about the fate of the NEA and the um, uh, NEH uh, in the Trump administration and that there's been an attack upon it. I asked my friend Dana Joya, to comment on that, and he told me that he was writing an editorial for the L.A. Times on exactly that subject, and that will be published in the uh, L.A. Times, but I have an excerpt from it here. Dana Joya, chairman of the NEA for six years, will be publishing an editorial in the L.A. Times about efforts to eliminate the NEA and the NEH. This is an excerpt from that editorial. These are Dana Joya's words. Both the Heritage Foundation and the Republican Study Committee have long been obsessed with ending federal support for the arts. During my six years as the chairman of the NEA under President George W. Bush, these groups want one unsuccessful volley after another. Their stated rationale was that the United States government had no business funding the arts. Underneath that small government ideal, however was another openly acknowledged motive. Not public good, but political advantage. By eliminating the NEA, they could deliver a symbolic victory against leftist urban elites. There is an obvious element of class warfare in the attacks on the arts endowment. Its critics often allege that federal funding is a way for the rich to use public money to subsidize their own elite cultural institutions. This assertion misrepresents how and where the NEA does its work. The NEA's annual budget is $147.9 million. In a nation of 319 million people, that amount doesn't allow the agency to subsidize anything. But the Arts Endowment has found ways to make the money work with outsized effectiveness and efficiency. The NEA makes thousands of small grants... To nonprofit organizations. Each grant requires the recipient to raise matching local funds, often at a ratio of two or three local dollars for each federal one. So the NEA mostly serves as a catalyst for local groups to raise private and state money to serve their own communities. On its modest budget, NEA funding now reaches every state, every congressional district, and probably most counties rural and urban in the United States. Grants also fund programs in schools, libraries, and military bases. Nearly half the grants go directly to state and regional arts organizations to expand grassroots efforts. NEA grants never pay overhead or annual expenses. They only fund specific programs of artistic and educational excellence that reach the public. No American president, Republican or Democrat, has ever tried to eliminate the arts endowment. Despite urban legends to the contrary, even Ronald Reagan was a supporter. Although Reagan's first budget director, David Stockman, recommended zeroing out the agency, the president, himself an artist, rejected the proposal. By the end of Reagan's tenure, the NEA budget stood at an historic high. Reagan even created the National Medal of Arts, the first governmental honor for artists in U.S. history. This annual set of awards has been continued by every subsequent president. Would the American arts be destroyed if the NEA ceased to exist? No, the arts would continue, but they would become less widely available, especially in schools, rural areas, and poorer communities. The arts endowment makes the best of the arts and arts education available to all Americans. Access to culture should not be a function of family income. That is why citizens should remind their representatives in Washington that the NEA and the NEH need to be protected. Believe it or not, most members of Congress will be pleased to get these letters. Those are words by Dana Joya, who chaired the National Endowment for the Arts, for six years. And now, since February 1st is also St. Bridget's Day, we're going to make another attempt on that first CD and see if we can hear my poem, Bridget, pronounced Breed. St. Bridget's Day, and I have a poem that I wrote some years back in celebration of that Irish lady. I should mention that in addition to being St. Bridget. Bridget is the ancient Irish goddess of fire, poetry, fertility, household arts, smithcraft, etc. Christianized, she became one of the patron, or in this case matron, saints of Ireland. My poem is an invocation, an attempt to make her happen. Bridget, pronounced breed. From the look of her not too good but I expect she'll recover. It was like walking with the sun. Who are you to tell me what to do? Night falling, strange aims, strangeness, nothing to speak of, hot night. Endless. It was hard. It was hard for a very long time. Feelings which are settled, no longer settled. Why don't you just take the car? I wish I could speak. I no longer feel as though my feelings, much past experience convinces me that my capacity for self-delusion in these matters is strictly speaking boundless. When I took her home, she stayed very close to me as we walked, as we walked. Her sheer presence was dazzling, wonderful. It was like walking with the sun. What do we read as we read? Books unread, barely regarded. Thinking is still contained in perceiving. Perceiving is still a thinking of the senses. Thinking is thinking. To overcome the world means to behold the world as it was before it became dead in us. During the month's before the first menstruation and for some time immediately afterwards girls are often passive seem sleepy and withdrawn to themselves I guess the aleatory look of the spattered paper is supposed to play off the rigid deliberation of the ruled lines but the results are consistently boring beautiful credit the foundation of modern society who shall say that this is not the age of mutual trust of unlimited reliance on human promises. Lotus-bearer, lord of the world, lord of what we see, is also a timid man. This violence is never expressed physically, but only verbally, in the manner of certain painters who paint the same painting over and over again, writes the same poem over and over again. Form is not at issue. The beloved speaks softly out of a machine, her voice broken with sorrow. I can barely listen to you. I fall in love whenever I hear you speak. She is beautiful, blue-eyed, red-haired, self- destructive. She is dark, with gray in her hair. What does it mean to love? It is a kind of fiction, an agreement to be deceived. It is a word spoken in haste, powerful with fiction. The link in my mind between self-consciousness and religion religion is a mode of self-consciousness which doesn't admit to its own bases a mode of self-remembering which continually manifests itself in an effort to forget but imagination equals self-consciousness that guiding point to which we can return thoughts tower there are all these women which of them do you want you thanks for the drink and the conversation I'd like more of both. Secret looks, charms, words meant only for... With his thing out, with his thing out, with come on his thing, with come on his thing, and the cum is soiled. Well, said the little girl in the tree, some people call me Mother Elderberry, others call me the Dryad, but my real name is Memory. I sit in the tree that grows and grows, I can remember everything... And therefore, I tell stories. R's fear that if she analyzes it, it will go away. The child's fear of thought. The association of thought with death and growth. Her, I'm a big girl now. Her fascination with fear of death. All these suggest that she has reached a transitional point in her life, but that she lacks the resources to make the leap. At her age, 34, she is getting rather desperate. Prescription. No longer love affairs, women's groups for at least six months. As you followed your impulses here, you might have arrived at something approaching understanding, but no, you chose to remain the critic, the judge, the expert. What is remains elusive. You can't name them because the power is too direct, but you can refer to them indirectly. They are called the shining ones, ones who inhabit any body. At the slipping shopping center, it is warm, a warm breeze. Not enough. I close my eyes. She looked at me the way any man wants a woman to look at him. She looked radiant, beautiful. She was all the women I had ever desired. She told me she was about to throw up. Your body, endless, Time sweeps everything, wait and and see. In the field the children dance. I wish, my son chases the ball. Time fixes everything in the sense of affixes, immobilizes it. Light covers everything, touches it deeply as I touch you or would touch you. Eyes, Isis. It was the good crossing guard, Mary Foley. She stood in the path of a runaway car and pushed seven children to safety. My first thought was that a child had been hit, said Sister Charlotte Anne. But no, it was Mary. We heard brakes screech and children scream. The kindly granny had helped youngsters survive the busy intersection near St. Mary's Grammar School and Melrose, Mass, for ten years before her final act of love ended in tragedy. The outstanding thing about Mary was her giving character, said the Reverend John Finn, pastor of St. Mary's. There was not one selfish thing about her. She gave her life to the children. How does love linger in us? How does it speak? How does it rise again? What is the source of this connection. A strong ascetic element was present in Irish monasticism from the beginning, based on that of some of the early fathers who lived far from civilization in the desert, so that in remote and practically inaccessible places we find not only provisions for solitary hermits, but also small monasteries with two or three cells that might be better called communal hermitages. And so, just as from the fan image taken from the body there arises in the appetite of sense a love inclined toward the senses so from the intellect's universal species or reason which is entirely remote from the body there arises in the will another sort of love. Stunned in this wretchedness of silence. Impression. Expression. Depression. Pressure. What is it, love? Speech. It is therefore supposed the lion continues. Destruction of structures means eye and foundation. Jeered at as men. Superficial appearances are transmutations on this account to the path of gimmel Subconscious level was patroness, a curve which could. The history of poetry is a history of loss. It is necessary to put fresh flowers on her grave, thin, beautiful body. Her father photographs, loving, but there is an edge to his voice, a sharpness. Rita, listen, not for long now. The abstracting by which she is able to make her points is also true of the magazine as a whole. What McLuhan calls a galaxy or constellation of events is absent from her work, despite the attempt at variety among the articles. Love equals power equals imagination. The gods of the North have suffered two eclipses, first by the advent of Christianity, which destroyed their shrines, and condemned their stories and then by the classical renaissance which as early as the 12th century gave Europe a repertoire of Greek and Roman myths which almost completely annihilated the Germanic seeing at once too many people and too few having the wrong relationship to people what I call the auditory imagination is the feeling for syllable and rhythm penetrating far below the conscious levels of thought And feeling, invigorating every word, sinking to the most primitive and forgotten, returning to the origin and bringing something back, seeking the beginning and the end. Eyes elusive. Distanced. Polytropon. Voyager. That man that came out of the sea. I don't know what to do. My editor hated the book. She cut out all of the history, all of the anthropology, and left me with just a few insights and a bunch of sex stories. I know what to do. Cut the insights. Sam Spade looked up as Bridget O'Shaughnessy popped another pill. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I am the wind on the sea. I am a wave of the ocean. I am the roar of the sea. Fiery, burning, red-headed woman. This is Jack Foley, and that was my poem, Bridget, Pronounced Breed. Uh, I made some notes about that rather complex poem, and they might well be relevant here. In its themes and techniques, my poem raises a number of questions. The poem continually shifts, not only from one speaker, but in the manner of open form, from one context to another, though it always maintains some sort of connection to its title figure, Bridget. The ancient Irish goddess of fire, poetry, fertility, household arts, Smithcraft, etc. The poem's sexual themes are in keeping not only with Bridget's status as fire goddess, but with my belief that such huge mythic figures are created out of desire. Desire which ultimately removes itself from the realm of any particular man or woman and deliberately enters into the realm of mythology. It was like walking with the sun. There is much involved in such a subject, imagination, modes of love, etc., and the figure of Bridget herself thrusts us back into the rich oral past of Irish folklore. To mythologize, as I do in this poem, is also to take some sort of public stance rather than merely asserting one's own subjectivity, and that, too, is an issue of Bridget. There is, it seems to me, a persistently public aspect to human consciousness which does not disappear even in the most inward of states. One is always in the world. This is reflected in my poem in the many quotations it contains, quotations which come to me from more or less public sources and which, in the manner of T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, are collaged into the poem's fabric. Finally, the poem is meant to be spoken As the great English poet Gerard Manley Hopkins Writing of his poem Spelt from Sibyl's Leaves Put it Of this long poem Above all Remember what applies To all my verse That it is As living art should be Made for performance And that its performance Is not reading with the eye But loud Leisurely poetical, not rhetorical, recitation with long rests, long dwells on the rhyme and other marked syllables, and so on. This poem should be almost sung. It is most carefully timed in tempo rubato.
1: Thank you, Jack, for this wonderful poem about the marvel of woman.
0: Yes, that's what it's about, all right, and the fiery marvel of woman. And that
1: is always appreciated. You know, we're in February, Black History Month, and it would be very wonderful if you could read us a Langston Hughes poem to honor that. Well, I have a poem plus a
0: um, recording of a setting of the poem, so here it is. This is CD3. This is Langston Hughes' poem, The Negro Speaks of Rivers. Hughes wrote the poem when he was 17. He was on a train crossing the Mississippi River on his way to Mexico to visit his father. The poem was first published in 1921. The Negro Speaks of Rivers. I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans. And I've seen its muddy bosom... Turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient, dusky rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. This is the poem Set to Music by Yuse's friend Margaret Bonds. Baritone Thomas Hampson is the singer, the pianist is Vladov Tinka. Both Hugh's text and the music reference the ancient spiritual Deep River. And that's our show for today.
1: Thank you, Nina. And thank you, Jack.
0: We'll see you on the radio. Viva Richmond, California. This working class, mostly non-white city created a grassroots resistance to corporate power and transformed itself into a truly progressive place to live. Now labor activist Steve Early has written Refinery Town, Big Oil big money and the remaking of an american city former mayor gail mclaughlin and organizer and kpfa host andre soto will join steve early to bring us the entire saga thursday february 2nd at first congregational church of oakland 2501 harrison street there's free parking and wheelchair access at this kpfa benefit coast